Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Well, we're kissing the weekend here. Well, yes, we, gotta we are. Kiss something. Yes. You got to kiss something these days, and uh, sometimes you, <laughs> you just want to kiss off things, too. You know? That's true. Hey, <laughs> did you happen to see yesterday? Uh, it was the big thing. It was the, this guy, Card. They still haven't caught him in Maine, this, this evil guy, Card, who uh, well, got kill- a suicide note, didn't they? No, I I don't believe so. Maybe you maybe you have more information than I. But what they did was yesterday, they surrounded his house. Do yeah. you see this? And they lit it up with floodlights. Every news crew in Maine descended on this little town of Bowdoin. I think it's a university town, and mm-hmm. they they just surrounded this house, and they kept the press back like a a tenth of a mile, maybe a quarter of a mile. But they were using their long lenses. You could see the house hall lit up. And you could hear the police right. saying things like, come out with your hands up. You know, Robert Card, come out with your hands up. I mean, they were having, they were using all the tools. They were, they brought out everything, the megaphone, the, the spotlights. The guy wasn't there. The guy wasn't, but, but for an hour and a half, on national television, on uh, Newsmax, on Fox, on CNN, uh, News Nations, I mean, they, all of them, they were just covering this thing like it was uh, an important news story. And it was, uh, and they had said, by the way, the FBI and the state police had said in a press release, look, at this is just a normal thing that we're doing. We're going house to all of his properties and inspecting all of his properties. It's not that we have any tip that he's there. They said that in the beginning, but the media, they wouldn't believe it. The media read things into it like, well, they said that, but they really didn't mean it because they're yelling into their megaphones right now. He has to be uh, in the area, and they've kept us all back because they're afraid that we'd be in the line of fire. So anyway, he's still on the run. Now they're saying he may have slipped across. You know, this is the this is the media not doing their homework, Bill. They have right. said they have said... He may have slipped across the state line into Massachusetts. There is no state line in Maine into Massachusetts. You have mm-hmm. to go That's from right. Maine into New Hampshire, then into Massachusetts. But these young kids, these they have a reporter on Newsmax who's up there covering. The, I swear they must have got him right out of high school gym class. He's about 12, and he's he stands in front of the camera. He's... He's a he's trying real hard, but you you can tell that he's incredibly inexperienced, and I guess some of these networks they'll they'll stick anybody in front of a camera if they will give the network a presence at a news story, you know, and uh, but you you go to Fox, you go to CNN or News Nation, right. and they've got an experienced reporter doing the story, then Newsmax. They got a young guy who, this may be the first time he stepped in front of a camera, and every two words is, you know, and he's in there, you know, and the uh, he could be uh, armed, you know, and uh, the, the police have kept us all back, you know. You would think that they would have sent up somebody who had experience, you know, right. to, to Maine. But anyway, um, he's, still, well, he's still in the run, Bill. Yeah, and uh, I, I just pulled up the story, and I'm not going to read the, uh, the six-minute read on it, but uh, law enforcement has found a suicide note left by the suspect in the main mass shooting. Uh, Robert Card addressed it to his son. Really? Now, but they don't show the note. They don't do, do you know, and they're not paraphrasing it or anything. Um, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I have some speculation, uh, speculation I'd like to uh, toss at you. Sure. Because, you know, my mind thinks like this. I'm not into conspiracies, well, but I like to write stories, you know, screenplays right. and scripts and stuff. So does the news. Okay, funny. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I was thinking, you know, this guy, uh, what if hypothetically, say you're a writer, what if hypothetically uh, there was uh, an agenda that, you know the deep state wanted to to uh you know put out there in front of the the public and they decided look at uh let's create this guy robert card uh right. we will have ai generate uh, his image and his dialogue uh I, now look at i'm not saying there wasn't 
these terrible incidences, and I'm not minimizing the tragedy that took place in Maine. Please understand that right up front. I'm just saying that we, the public, will swallow anything the press throws at us, and I would submit the press doesn't know the whole story most of the time. Yeah. So, and if, if so, let's say hypothetically the AI generated an image. This is the guy, you know. You know as well as I do, a computer can make a composite picture of anybody, and suddenly he's real. Yeah. You well, know. Case in point to that. Mm-hmm. Case in point, and I don't want to, you know, take the story off, uh, you know, a dirt path. But mm-hmm. uh, the Beatles just got oh, back yeah. together. The, the Fab Four. They are, and you're going, oh, come on, Bill. No, I heard about this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you've got uh, you've got John Lennon in there, a very young, good-looking John Lennon. Oh, you got George Harrison in his guitar. Yeah, and uh, I forget the name of the song now. Now and, and then, then. I think yeah. Now and then, and you know, for Beatles fans, going boy, it would have been it would have been nice to have a new Beatles release. This is as close as you're going to get, and actually, it's not bad. It's pretty damn good. And you've got the Fab Four. You have Paul and Ringo playing on mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, and they're eighty-three. Yeah, but they and and they said, yeah, you know what? Let's give the fans what they want. Let's do this AI thing. You know, now a long time ago, when you had somebody that li- would lay down tracks and record when Lennon retired, he still wrote and recorded at home. But you can take those tracks and do what they called baking, enhance you know, it. Yeah. Yeah, and and get, you know, or you can subtract the the vocals, but either way, you give it to a computer, it can do, it can bake it, it can sit there and uh, make it into a absolutely and whatever. Well, but either way, they got a new single, so if they can do that, you can create a a fictitious person. You can have now, a, you can have a fictitious incident too, by the way. Uh, or but, I, I don't mean that those people weren't tragically murdered, and that that happened. But well, it may not have happened the way you think it happened. I'm just saying we, we, we have a tendency just to accept the story that's spoon-fed to us. And maybe that's not the case. Another thing, which I heard this morning, Bill, you mm-hmm. may believe this because you're into high tech. Okay. All right. They say that the guy was hearing voices. And, and I, I believe, you know, he... People have, you know, who have mental issues for centuries have heard voices, some of them. They don't know where they're coming from, and it's just they're telling them to do stuff, and it's, 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 really, it's really tragic stuff. But what I didn't realize is that today, these days, these days, they've developed a, a, a system, an electronic system. It has a flat speaker, Right with a handle on it, you can aim it at somebody or a group of somebody's, but you can specifically aim it at one person, this flat speaker. You can turn the amplifier on. The people in the room cannot hear the audio coming out of that speaker because the audio is created in the sound beam itself. Uh, this is kind of technical. I don't. It's not being created from the vibration of a speaker like we know it if you're listening to your radio or your stereo, it has, it's created in a sound beam. So if you aim the sound beam at somebody across the room, they can hear it in their head. Right. They can hear it vibrating off their eardrums in their head. They can hear it. The person next to them can't hear it because it wasn't aimed at them. So well, I'm just you. You probably have heard about something similar to this. Well, there's a couple of things that yeah, that come to mind, but you know the most basic thing that comes to mind. It's been used in advertising. Subliminal. And I'm not talking. No, I'm not talking about subliminal. Mm-hmm. But I guess you could go with that. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. But they developed technology. Oh gosh, it's been years and years that they've had this, uh, and might or might not have been in wide use. But you could actually walk by a vending machine, a Coke machine. Now the person behind you, in front of you or over there couldn't hear it, but it had a directional sound that when you walked by, you know, wouldn't you like some, wouldn't you like some chili Fritos? I got them, you know, and all of a sudden you think it's your subconscious. You go, oh, there's a bit. Well, what do you know? Yeah. You know, I know Coca-Cola used it uh, on, on. Well, you know, Bill, probably Pepsi, but 
they can do that. Now, you can take and architect the sound to where it's directional, and you can put it into somebody, uh, you know, to where they cross the That's path. what this guy, this, this professor in this video I saw, he was mm-hmm. an electronic engineer in an electronic engineering class. He had the system in front of the crowd. He had the students sitting in the uh, amphitheater, and he had this flat speaker, and he said, now watch this. I'm going to play some music. You all like Beatles, and they, yeah, yeah, because they're young kids. They they kind of like the Beatles, but, you know, they're their grandparents. But he says, okay, listen, he turns the amplifier on. Watching the video, we see, we don't hear anything. He takes this amplifier with a handle on it, and he points it at a student, and the student cringes like, all of a sudden, they're hearing the music, and they kind of slump down in, at their desk. And then he moves the gun to the person next to him, and they do right. the same thing. And the person next to him, and you realize that those kids can hear that audio, but nobody in the room, listening casually, can hear the audio they hear. So you know when people say, and I was thinking as I was thinking about that afterwards. If that's a technology that really exists, and I think it probably is, because there's so much that they've developed well, that we don't understand. If that's the case, you know, maybe for centuries there was something that was naturally created or ambient that would suggest, I don't mean it would suggest thought, but it would stimulate thought. You know, let's say you were in a room right. and there was a certain vibration, and that certain mm-hmm. vibration reminded you of something, and all of a sudden you were off on a... I mean, maybe we've looked at people who have these issues and we haven't realized there might be a physical cause for these things. Well, there could be. Now, I had, uh, you know, kind of a weird, different thought. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, the, the, the thought was, you know, the Democrats will telegraph what they're going to do. And, you know, go back just a few weeks before this incident, Hillary was talking about getting all the MAGA right people and saying we need to take them in and reprogram them. What does that mean, you know, the, to reprogram them? Well, yeah. take that thought and take the, <laughs> take, the, take the thought that this guy was hearing voices. Yep. And he was institutionalized for a little while until they said, okay, he's good. They let him out. And then what he did. So did they put voices in his head? Did, they, did he go in? And then he'd get programmed to do something, and then he was released, and boom. That's a terrific, terrific. You got, it makes you go, hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not But, but let, me add a, let me add another okay. card to this deck, okay? All right. The family of Robert Card, the man accused of shooting and killing 18 people in Lewiston, Maine, have shared several details about, uh, about Robert Card. And uh-huh. his acute mental health episodes, the months leading up to the mass shooting. In an exclusive report, NBC News reported that Katie Card, who is married to Robert's brother, shared that Robert began to hear, quote, horrible, end quote, voices talking about him just, or actually about him and to him, just shortly after he was fitted for high-powered hearing aids, end quote. They, they fitted him with high-powered hearing aids, and suddenly the guy starts to hear voices in his head. Well, those hearing aids might have had a receiver for a transmitter at a special frequency that yep. only he could get. And so he was hearing, well, I can, I can hear the voices in my head now. Yep. Uh, there are voices in your head, all right, that somebody put there. But again... You know, I'm not saying any of this, you know, actually happened. I'm saying, but, you know, within the realm of possibility, how many times have we have we run into stories, oh, you know, you guys are crazy. That would have never happened. And then after a while, all of a sudden, well, I'll be an SOB. You yeah. know, <laughs> well, who would have thought? I you never know? thought that they had um, laser weapons. You know, the, the, when I was a kid uh, and when I used to read like Flash Gordon and stuff like that, they were called uh, ray guns, you know. Hey, he's right. got a ray gun, you know, and it was uh, something of fiction. But trust me, folks, we got them now. We have we have uh, warships 
that are armed with those kind of weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, they <clears throat> they can be used to take down uh, ships. Uh, they can make people submit. Uh, they, they, I mean, it, it is amazing the stuff that we've developed that the average Joe on the street doesn't even know about. So when we well, talk about know, stuff like this, Bill, it's a possibility. That's all. Well, it's a possibility. And let's just say, you know, if you got something like this that, that sends a signal or can send a sound wave or, you know, get into somebody's head, put it in a satellite. Then you can take out an entire region and program them. Now, you have to ask another thing, my dear friend. And I do mean friend. Um, why would they do something like this? Why why would let's say hypothetically it isn't what we uh, we you know initially thought it was uh, just a guy going loony and, and randomly killing only let's say there was a reason that somebody either uh manipulated this guy into doing this why would somebody want to have such a heinous thing happen well and, and i think I'll, I'll give you a little tip why this this happened um uh, what the day before you went, the shooting was the day before yesterday, and yeah, you talking about the North Carolina incident. No, 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 no. I have Carmela, Carmela, Carmela Harris was, uh, mind you, they haven't gotten the guy yet. He's still on the run, right? And by the way, he could be anywhere right now. They say, well, he could be in Massachusetts. By now, he could be in California. You know, you don't know where Maybe. he is, but. Um, the dust hadn't settled on the uh, incident in Maine, and Carmela said this. Once again, routine gatherings, this time at a bowling alley and a restaurant, have been turned into scenes of horrific carnage. Doug and I mourn for those who were killed. We pray for those who were injured and grieve with so many whose lives are forever changed and impacted by what happened. The Biden-Harris administration will continue to provide full support to local authorities. And as we gather details, we must continue to speak truth about the moment we are in. In our country today, the leading cause of death of American children is gun violence. Gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country. And let us be clear, it does not have to be this way. As our friends in Australia have demonstrated. And with that then... Okay, so what did she just say there? She says, let me have all your guns, basically, because Australia, it really works for them, so we want all your guns. Now, that being said, I ask you this. On October 7th, if those people in the Gaza area, you know, those Israelis who were attacked, if they all had AR-15s at the ready, do you think that as many people as were killed would have died? I mean, it's just a question. If they had been armed... And I, I do believe, by the way, some of them were, Bill. Some did have weapons, and they lived. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You turned your volume down again, Bill. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I yes. turned it off while the thing was playing. But uh, I'll send you some audio during the show, maybe tomorrow, you know, can refer to it, because I do have something on a moss and weapons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, But, well, I, you know, that was the first thought I had, gun control. It's just like North Carolina. Uh, there was a home where I think nine people or something, a bunch of people found dead. And, you know, all the police are saying, this is strange, you know, because they don't really have any clue on that. And I'm going, yeah, but the story is talking about guns mm-hmm. at a time that the Democrats are talking about guns because they want to confiscate our guns, which America was built on guns because it protects our freedoms. Ah, wait, freedom. Wait a second. There yeah. you go. Freedom? <laughs> you have freedom? Well, you can't have that. Freedom's yeah. just another word, but we're going to take your guns, you know. So, Carmela wants your guns. 
Joe wants your guns. Um, I I think that it's that's a, a more important issue than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of think, oh, they kind of want our guns, but it's never going to happen. Trust me, they're pushing for it. They want your guns. They want a mandatory confiscation of your weapons. They'll start with maybe one or two types of weapons, meaning if you have an AR-15, well, that's the big bad boy. We'll have to take that. But once they, they take one or two types of weapon, that opens the door for them saying, look it, you don't need any weapons. Why would you want a handgun? No, no, you can't have that either. You know, are they going to go around and confiscate or when they catch you with it? Does that mean you're going to get a five thousand or ten thousand dollar fine and five years in prison because you had something when it was legal, but now it's illegal? Or are you going to be grandfathered? What? What? How are they proposing? Oh no, no, all no, no, that? no They're going to they're going to do what Australia did. I mean, Australia went around to people. You could have had the the rifle and the family from your grandfather, and uh, they took it. They took the weapons, and and a lot of people in Australia are very upset about this because they, you know, it's a rural country in many places and they can't have weapons to protect themselves. Well, uh, you know, the crooks have them. Oh, absolutely. And if the crook gets caught with, uh, you know, shooting a family, well, he was doing what he had to do to survive in this cruel, mean world. We'll let him off and, uh, hell, we'll give him his gun back too so he can go out and loot again. That's true. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of... Uh, of strange things. This is kind of a weird Friday show where we're doing a lot of speculation. Well, yeah, yeah. Stuff. You remember John, Jamel Bowman, the uh, representative who uh, went over, he got confused when he went to a, an exit door at the Capitol. Oh, yeah. Easy to do. Yeah, yeah to pull a he fire was alarm. Either, either open the handle on the door to open the door, or the other way of opening the door would be to pull the fire alarm. <laughs> Hey. Well, when fire alarms are pulled, people do open the doors. He just That's wanted true. someone to do it for him. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, am, yeah. what amazes me about this whole story is how quick the media is to cover for the guy. Come, oh, my oh, gosh. It's an yeah. easy mistake to make. I mean, to the left, uh, like a three feet away or two feet away, is the fire alarm on the wall. And right in front of him is the handle on the door. And if you're not paying attention, my God, how many how many of us in a similar situation have walked to the door and pulled the fire alarm? I mean, come on, folks. They they want to sell you a slice of bologna, and they want you to believe it's steak, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Jamel Bowman, they're now saying, well, he removed some signage, uh at the door before pulling the fire alarm in this new uh, video that's come to light, right? They make it sound like, oh, my God, it's another video from another angle. No. What this video proves is they took the first video that we saw of him just walking over and pulling the fire alarm as being the shortened, edited version of a longer video, which showed this guy, Bowman, walking to the door taking the signage off the door that said these uh, these are closed, these uh, doors are uh, closed and it cannot be used, uh, move on to another you know site. I mean, he didn't uh, want those signs there. He took the signage down, and then he pulled the handle. It was, a, it was an act of intent. It shows that he wanted to pull this fire alarm and to do what he did, which was interrupt uh, a, a proceeding in the House of Representatives. It was intentional, but I believe, you know, because he has the, he's a Democrat. I mean, it's, uh, what is good for the goose in their situation is not good for the gander. Okay. He got fined, I believe a thousand dollars, a slap on the wrist and told to be a good boy from now on. Whereas if a, a Republican had done that, he would have been sent to the DC gulag and spent at least two and a half years in solitary confinement because waiting trial. Yes, with with no charges. Yeah. So um, it, it's it is that it's amazing, folks. I got so many strange stories here today, Bill. I got another one which it's going to make you go. Hmm. Oh, sure, go ahead and throw it at me. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Right now, you would think, All my right. God, he's the son of Robert Kennedy, who was assassinated while he was running for president, and he's the nephew of President John Kennedy, who was assassinated while he was president, right? Mm -hmm. So he's running for president. He has petitioned the administration 
for Secret Service protection. Historically, in the last 55 or 60 years, every candidate has been afforded Secret Service protection. Except him. It's just normal procedure. The exception and the outlier being this administration and this candidate. Out of all of the candidates running, including Donald Trump, who, by the way, you know, he's he is, I'm sure, the target of uh, a lot of these loonies. Uh, Trump has Secret Service. All the other candidates have Secret Service. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., not so much. Now, you may say, why is it important that he have it? Well, uh, an intruder was arrested for trespassing at his home in Los Angeles on Wednesday. The guy then, after he was arrested and was released, he returned and trespassed again the very same day. It was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll be good. Fine, you're going to let me go? No, thank you. And he went right back to the house and did it again. He, this is the guy, Robert Kennedy, about a month ago, a guy came to one of his events, seriously, dressed up as a U.S. Marshal or a Secret Service agent. He had a badge. He had a gun. The gun was loaded. He had extra rounds of ammunition. He demanded to be taken to the uh, the candidate personally because he had uh, been ordered to protect him. And come to find out, this guy was just a a nut. You know, yeah. some guy who was, who was walking, who wanted to get close to him or do him harm. Now, so, Robert Kennedy, he uh, he did a, a political, he's, he kind of quietly did it, but he made a change because he was for reparations. And yeah. all of a sudden, he, he was getting backlash on it, and uh, a lot of people are saying, Republicans uh, and uh, and uh, people that are independent going, sorry, you know, you're yeah, a good guy. It's a non-starter, but you, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that means we won't vote for you, so he quietly dropped it. Um, but I would, you know, before I would sit there, Look, you know, between the the candidates that are out there, it's Trump, him, or nobody. Mm -hmm. uh, but you want to have that option because I fear that one of the candidates is going to get, you know, have uh, have some serious demise come their way because the uh, you know the ground is ripe for this. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, it would, you know, I. It wouldn't upset a lot of people on the left if, uh, for example, Donald Trump were not to be on the uh, the playing field right now. Let's just leave it but at they that. Don't, they don't want Kennedy either on the playing field. Right. They don't want anybody who's a possible challenger to their candidacy. What would happen if both those candidates got taken out one way or the other out of contention? And all you had was a Democrat. Well, runner. we have a bench on the Republican side. I don't know how good they'll be. I don't know how much uh, of a, uh, a candidate they would be in the finals. I mean, I, I think Ron DeSantis is basically a good guy and an honest guy, and I think uh, he would probably be a decent president. Although I'm 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 in favor of President Trump uh, personally. But, mm -hmm. I mean, if Trump were no longer on the playing field, I think you'd go back to your uh, practice squad. And I think guys like uh, DeSantis uh, are on the practice squad. Tim Scott is on the practice squad. Even, to a certain extent, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is, uh, a, seems like a decent guy. Uh, I don't know much about these people. That's the thing that bothers me about the, the bench, that other than DeSantis, who I think yeah, I have an understanding of, a little bit of a background, and even him, it's not as deep as I'd like. Uh, we don't really know these people. I right. mean, uh, I mean, a year ago, if you said Vivek Ramaswamy, I'd say Gazuntike. You know, I didn't know who he was. Uh, all of a sudden, he is a serious candidate, and people talk about him. Um, President Trump, I feel like I know. I mean, I, I I knew of Trump when he was a Democrat in New York. I knew yeah. I knew Trump when he was just a developer and a builder in New York, and uh, he was always an interesting character, always somebody who had flair. I I didn't realize until he became a candidate for the presidency how really smart the guy is, because even if you don't like his personality, he has uh, an innate ability to uh, negotiate and to feel out a deal and feel out the weaknesses of your opponent's deal and then exploit them. You know, and uh, that was a, that's a real talent. 
And uh, that's why he can say, and I really think he means it, when he says, if I were president and when I'm president, I'll have this war settled in 24 hours. And people go, yeah, 24 hours. No, he has an idea right now, I'm sure, in his head of how to close the door on these uh, conflicts. And he really thinks that he can do it. What do you think, Bill? No, I I believe so, too. I mean, Trump is, uh, while he was in New York, Mm -hmm. He was he was trying to, oh, uh, I, I guess you know he was flustering at not flustering, but he was he was working out his real political sway and view. I mean, he was a Democrat, he was an yeah. independent, and then he didn't want to go into himself. politics. No, but I think that he was led into it because he was going enough is enough. Um, he didn't he didn't obviously he didn't need it. He didn't need the aggravation. Do you think? If he didn't get into the public limelight with the, mm-hmm. the, the political thing, do you think any of these cases, uh, yeah, the insurrection wouldn't have been going on with him, but, you know, he didn't do an insurrection. And I do not like using that word because that was fabricated by the Democrats of mm-hmm. what it is. And when you look at the history, if there was an insurrection, it was Nancy and Schumer and Schiff that got together and fabricated all this stuff. It's just like Russia, 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 which, by the way, they're trying to do it again. You know, the, the Russia, yeah. Russia, Russia stuff. Yeah, they, they, they still believe that if they can't... Forget the facts. Forget the fact the facts have already been thrown out there. Forget the fact that people have already proven that the whole story was nonsense. They believe that there's enough of the population who are ignorant, who don't pay attention, who if you keep saying the lie, they'll just believe it. You know. Well, you tell a lie enough, it's a, it becomes the truth. Yep. And that's what they're doing. And when they have a media that marches to the beat of their drum, well, yeah, okay, you know, that must be the truth. Another thing that happened, uh, you know, we, we have a new Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Nancy Mace, who's a representative from, I believe, uh, is it uh, one of the Carolinas? or I think she's North Carolina. But anyway, she's a representative, smart, articulate uh, young woman. She was one of the eight who was in favor of having McCarthy vacated from the speakership. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was on with Steve Bannon yesterday, and they talked about McCarthy. You know, McCarthy gave this this story to the media like, uh, oh, it's okay, I'm fine, no, and I don't want to run for the speakership now. I'm okay, don't put my name in there, I'm going to move on. He really said this. I saw him say this in a press conference after he had been removed from the speakership. He made it look like, oh, it's not a big deal. He had that great smile. Life goes on, good luck to the next guy. But apparently behind the scenes, in the back rooms, he was furious and he was negotiating and tr- and stabbing people in the back who were being nominated, including Jim Jordan. This is what Nan- yeah. this is what Nancy May said to Steve Bannon yesterday. Listen, this thing didn't need to last for three weeks. So the first thing that McCarthy and his allies did was prolong it and delay it and recess us and adjourn us every time they possibly could to to drag this thing out and make it as painful as possible for the eight of us who held the line and kicked McCarthy out of the speakership. That's number one. Number two, there was a, a concerted and orchestrated effort at the hand of McCarthy. McCarthy, that every time someone ascended, they got knifed in the back, including America's favorite Republican congressman in Jim Jordan. I mean, our conference couldn't even elect the, the, the best and favorite congressman in this country, Jim Jordan, because of what McCarthy and his allies were doing behind the scenes and orchestrating his failure. And he did it not once, not twice, but three times. And finally, we were able to unmask what he was doing earlier this week. It was the D.C. establishment. That is what we broke. And this was about the power, the few people that have power in this in this country, K Street and downtown, and, and those in, in leadership, this, the former speaker. This is about people versus power, and the people won over. And the one thing I want to say, Steve, is that the War Room Posse was a huge part of that because people spoke up. They called their members of Congress, 
and told them that the vote to vacate the former speaker was the right vote and we needed to get a conservative, someone who would be honest, be trustworthy and tell the truth to the American people. And that's what we were able to deliver. But it was not, it was not easy because the former speaker went kicking and screaming this week, had, had meltdowns in our conferences, a lot of threats were made. I've had a lot of threats on my life. In the last week or so, I've received at least four death threats over, over my vote and over my convictions to change the direction of Washington and change the direction of this country. And we would not have been able to do it without the support of the people. What's interesting is, and I didn't realize this, is that, uh, you know, they would they would do something, they'd do a vote, they'd, they'd present a candidate, and they would vote him down. He'd, he'd be missing the number of votes he needed to become speaker. And then they would right. adjourn. They would adjourn for a few days sometimes, a weekend, uh, seven days, or four days, or whatever. That was the time that apparently McCarthy needed to lobby and uh, intimidate certain members of Congress to go along with his view on the next candidate, you know? And what happened at the very end, I guess it was when uh, Emmer, was it Emmer? When he he was selected and then when he dropped out on that uh, three-hour period, usually Mm -hmm. they would adjourn and go for another few days so that, but somebody in the conference said, no, let's do a vote right now. Who's second in line? And that didn't give uh, McCarthy enough time to do any lobbying to stop this guy Johnson. So they voted Johnson essentially in to the chagrin, to the dismay of Mike McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy uh, is not as he appears. You know, when you see, I I saw Bill O'Reilly, even someone like Bill O'Reilly, who is a a pretty smart guy, but I saw him saying, "Oh, well, you know, McCarthy was a pretty decent guy, and he he was uh, he got the job done. He didn't deserve to get." No, M- McCarthy was a swamp dweller, and he was doing exactly uh, he was doing the bidding of the deep state and not the people. But he was presenting himself to the people like he was this really good kind guy, like that. Kind of like that song, The Devil in Disguise. Yeah, was- exactly. And you know, Bill, the thing is, I, I, the thing that sold me on, he, he made a big thing about, I'm going to release all of the January 6th footage. Everybody will have access to it. Everybody will know what happened on January 6th. And we all waited. And he released like a, a, a three-minute clip of something on Tucker Carlson's show. And that was it. He had said he was going to release everything. All the footage they had was going to become public, and he didn't do it. And that said to me, nah, this guy isn't what he pretends to be. Some uh, guys were talking about this new guy, Johnson. You sent me mm-hmm. an audio tape uh, uh, from, from this guy, Johnson, about him oh, and yeah, impeachment. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, yeah. got, I think I have a piece of that. But in this first clip that I have where they're discussing Johnson, the second half is Johnson talking on the floor about impeachment, and it essentially comes, from, I think, from the the clip that you sent me. Listen, this is this is not rocket science. Uh, this is now a full MAGA house, and whether it was exhaustion or a lack of courage or a lack of imagination, um, you know, you had the entire Republican Party basically now lining up behind a super uber Trumpy speaker, wow. which seems to be the story of the last seven years. Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution itself expressly states that the sole power of impeachment belongs here to this House. And then Article 2, Section 4 says, listen to the language carefully. It's expressly written in the Constitution. This is not political talking points. We're not making this up. It says in Article 2, Section 4 that the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. My friends, I just listed just a small sampling, just the tip of the iceberg of of the credible allegations and the mounting evidence that shows that Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay-to-play schemes. This is what the evidence shows. We have to follow it. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution requires this action. The inquiry is the appropriate step. We have no choice to pursue the facts wherever they lead. That is Mike Johnson, now Speaker Mike Johnson, the second half of that. That was the the tape that you yeah. sent uh, you sent yeah. to me. 
Yeah, it makes me wonder if uh, Joe's about to get his corn popped, you know, so from this guy, because uh, yes. he, he will meet popcorn. Yes, he will. You know, he was at a hearing uh, in 2020 talking about corruption and talking about uh, Biden, and he said this. They're panicked because it's impossible to cover up the inescapable conclusions of the last few weeks. Let me give you two of them. First, one, the hard evidence, Mr. Goldman and everybody else, now proves that the Biden family is hopelessly corrupt and has apparently engaged in a long pattern of extortion, bribery, influence peddling, and tax fraud, and staggering abuses of power. And number two, we're highlighting here today that we now know that a growing list of the most important executive branch agencies of the Biden administration are in on it. They've also been corrupted. They've been weaponized to help cover all this up, the first family's crimes. When we summarize all this stuff, it sounds like a premise of a dystopian novel or something, but it's actually happening right now on our watch. This is not conspiracy theories. This is evidence. Our hearing today is to put a spotlight on one more of these incredible avenues of unprecedented corruption and government cover-up. And here again, a federal court has just affirmed all that hard evidence. It proves that the White House, the Department of Justice, and the FBI, among other agencies, threatened and coerced the social media platforms to censor and suppress disfavored viewpoints and conservatives' social media posts online. Boy, he's an articulate guy. That's uh, now Speaker Mike Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he, he's. Uh, he, he, I think he's a surprise to everybody, you know, even in Congress. I, well, he I'm was still going to hold judgment until I see, yes. you know, the first... When I see something happen that is you know, vaguely similar to what I just heard in audio, then I'm going to be going, all right. Yeah. You know, I'm the same way, Bill. I, I agree a hundred percent. I talk is cheap. Yep. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words and it's time for some action. But I think some Democrats are afraid. You see a lot of things going on. You know, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if we did it before the show or not, but I mentioned that, uh, um, you know, one of the congressmen from uh, Maryland uh-huh. who is retiring. Oh, yeah. I'm going into public service work, you know, because yeah. I've been thinking about it all along. <laughs> yes. You know, and they're gerrymandering here. You know, Maryland is a Democratic area. So, um, but what? why are these guys jumping ship? He's jumping ship. One from North Carolina is jumping ship. Uh, you got a, a California state senator that is yeah. jumping ship. They're all Democrats. And now they're going, is the jig up? And are they sitting there going, you know what? I'm, All the I'm, rats I'm, are scurrying off the ship. As they're it, running, uh, they're yeah. dr- running down the anchor line of that ship <laughs> because, you know, it might be anchored, but it's it's listing a little bit and it's taking on water. And they're going, no, I don't want to be a part of this. Oh, by the way, you you mentioned Larry Elder, too. Which I thought was uh, Larry Elder, he uh, yeah, he dropped out and is endorsing Trump. Oh, very interesting. Well, came out last. I think that was last night. You know? I think a lot of these guys, though, and even Trump has said this in the past, that they kind of knew where they were in the polls all all along. They were just looking for name recognition and possibly possibly down the road a seat on the Trump cabinet. So um, we'll see. A guy like Larry Elder is a smart, articulate guy who could do good things if he were in a cabinet position, I think. I think yeah. guys like Tim Scott. Hey, I, I looked at Tim Scott. I thought, boy, he might be a, a vice presidential uh, yeah. candidate for President Trump because he's never said anything bad about President Trump. He's only talked about his skills, you know, what he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, we just got to get Trump across the finish line. That's all we got to do. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got the popularity, but the Democrats are looking to take him down, throw him in jail, lock him up. Uh, yeah, you know, and if they, if they get their chance, get their way, I mean, you got this, uh, you know, judge in New York that's turned Trump into a pinata. Yeah, and you know, you know he the, has the, this judge. The law be damned. The, the law, you know, the witness on the stand yesterday admitted that Trump did nothing wrong when when asked. Yeah. Essentially, when asked, he was the star witness for the prosecution. When asked whether Trump had done anything wrong, this guy essentially said, well, no. And and Trump said at that point, the case should have been immediately dropped because his lawyers then turned to this wacko judge and said, we, we move for a directed judgment of not guilty. And the judge said, no, 
Denied. You know, now, what is that judge's name again? Uh, er- Aragon, Erdogan, er- Aragon, Aragon, something Angra, like that. Aragon, yeah, yeah, kind of like moron. Okay, yeah, sort of. You know, the one yeah. thing that he's doing. I mean, you know, like the fine the other day where he asked Trump a question, and goes, "Oh, I don't believe you. That's five thousand dollars." At what point does the fining stop, and at what point is it illegal? The, the the gag order is illegal itself, but right now, technically, that judge could go. Excuse me, Donald, but what is your your name, your full name? Uh, Donald J. Trump. I don't believe you. That's a $10,000 fine. <laughs> yes, he could. Based upon how he ruled yesterday or the day before yesterday in court, yes. Yep. He could say that. Judge, are you a fair and just judge? You are. I don't believe you. Here's a $100,000 fine by we, the people of the United States. Well, how many times is he going to find this guy? Is he going to be he first? First, he what? Find him five hundred dollars, and then he, well, I think it was five hundred. Now he's then ten thousand. I thought it was. I thought it was a thousand, maybe, five thousand, and then he's going to stair step it. At some point in time, he'll, he's either going to get up to a million dollars. And how does he justify those fines? Well, he's a judge. He can do anything he wants to. Well, then he can slap him in prison. He could sit there and go. You know what? I'm done with this. Well, well, he goes know, to prison. Let's put him on death row. Does what does this say about our legal system? If a judge can it just sucks. Ig- if it can ignore the laws, if it can say, "Okay, the hell with the laws. We're not going to follow the laws. Uh, we're going to make them up as we go." That's mm-hmm. okay. I, at some point, there should be somebody higher than this judge who should say, "Wait a second, you know, flag on the play. This well, is not how I- it's done." You know, there's a new Democratic law for law firm. It's called Willy Willy and Nilly. Willy Nilly. Yes. You know, they they because that, that's how they interpret the law. You know. Yes, Willy Nilly. <laughs> hey, uh, another thing happened. Uh, I believe this happened yesterday, uh-huh. but or no, maybe it was the day before yesterday at the UN yesterday. at the UN in New York City, that uh, place that should be re- made into condominiums. Uh, but Just no. tear it down. It's got so much bad yeah, crap yeah. in there. Well, tear it I, down. I, I, I agree. Uh, make some some really. You know what? That would really tick them off if they tore it down and then Trump bought the real estate and built the, like you know Trump Towers Two or something like that. Trump <laughs> Two. Yes. Trump, but, Trump to you. <laughs> the Iranian delegate came to New York City. Now, mind you. In order for even a delegate to come to speak at the UN, he has to get an approved visa to oh. enter the United States to then go to that neutral zone of the UN. But he has to enter the United States. So he comes to the United States with a, an approved visa from the Biden administration. He goes to the UN and he says this in front of the entire United Nations. Shows that we have always supported peace and security. But today in New York and the United Nations, I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn, if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. It is our home, and West Asia is our region. We do not compromise with any party and any side, and we have no reservation when it comes to our home's security. The genocide in Gaza must stop immediately. The forced displacement of the people of Gaza must be stopped immediately. Today, Gaza is waiting for urgent and vital humanitarian aid. According to international law, the Palestinian liberation movement Hamas is fighting the occupation and has a legitimate right. Mr. President, according to our negotiations, Hamas is ready to release civilian prisoners. On the other hand, the world should support 
the release of 6,000 Palestinians held in Israeli prisons. That's the Iranian delegate to the UN. I don't know that you could understand what he said, but right. essentially what he said was that uh, we better do this, we better not get involved with the Israeli war, or they're going to come after us. Iran came to New York, the U.S., with an approved visa, went to the U.N., and on the floor of the United Nations in front of the world said, uh, U.S., you better listen up or we're going to come after you. Okay? That's essentially what he said. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sending you that, uh, that uh, audio video thing that I mentioned earlier in the show. Based on just hearing that, I thought maybe you might want to hear that. We might take some of it tomorrow. Maybe not. I don't know. There's, But, you know, the arrogance of him coming over here and bullying us, well, I was going to say on our home turf, but I guess the U.N. building is technically... Neutral you know, zone, yeah, it, sort of. Neutral zone that we gave up on our soil. As far as I'm concerned, it's our soil. You came here and yeah. you want to bully us in our court? Well, That's he also, right. he, he said some more, and uh, it's a little more understandable because uh, this 30-second uh, clip is through a translator. Listen. The, the leaders of the Hamas Liberation Palestinian movement have voiced their readiness to release the non-military prisoners to us, and the Islamic Republic of Iran stands ready to play its part in this very important humanitarian endeavor along with Qatar and Turkey. Naturally, the release of the 6,000 Palestinian prisoners is another necessity and responsibility of the global community. I think that Tucha, I think it's Turkey, uh, you know, I could be wrong, but um, he had no problem speaking his mind in front of the entire United Nations, and uh, he mm. didn't feel like uh, he would be threatened. I, if it were me, I'm just saying if I were president and I heard this guy come to the U.N. and threaten us, I'd say, fine, uh, we're revoking your visa while you're in New York. You will not leave this country until our hostages are released. You are now, uh, we're not going to do to you what you're doing to our hostages, you know, short rations, beatings, things like that. We'll be more diplomatic. You can stay at the uh, Iranian embassy, but uh, you're not going to leave this country. You're, you're here for the duration. So if we don't get our people back, you don't go home. But that's just me. And then one thing that we did do yesterday, which I was proud of, I mean, I think mm -hmm. it showed that we had a little something, a little intestinal fortitude. Uh, right. uh, apparently we, uh, you know, Iranians, they have air bases in Syria. And they right. are, they can call them Syria bases, but they're really being staffed by uh, Iran and surrogates of Iran. You know, these are the people who are uh, attacking us with missiles and things like that. Well, we sent in two F-16s, and they carried out a mission on two bases used by the Iraqi IRGC. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it stands for, but it, it's the essentially uh, uh, Iran uh, forces and their proxies. No casualty assessment has been released. They don't know. They just, you know, they, they can't go back and count them. But I love how the media always says that. Well, we don't know exactly how many are dead because we have no official count. What do you think it is? A baseball game for Pete's sakes? You drop a bomb, you blow things up, odds are you're not going to see a body count, you know? They did the same thing, by the way. I was watching a press conference yesterday. I think it was the White House press conference, and they were mm -hmm. some reporter was a little upset that they didn't have a more accurate uh, body count in Gaza. That Israel hadn't issued a more accurate body. Have you seen pictures of uh, the rubble in in uh, Gaza City? Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it, it's massive, and uh, there's no way you can tell. Uh, I'm sure uh, how many people were injured or killed. I I, I think it's. It's impossible unless you have people on the ground. Another thing, Bill, I have, I'm sorry that I'm on a roll here today, but I, no, I, no, I'm no, trying no, to squeeze no, stuff no, no. in. Um, this is 
we've been told that the Israeli forces are not ready to invade Gaza. They'll be ready when they're ready. That's what we were told, and it's, that we've been told that actually they've been influenced by the United uh, by the United States, who has said, uh, "Look at hold back on your invasion, so we can get the people out, the prisoners." Right. That being said, I, I'm reading this story, and um, it says uh, the Israeli government has actually started incursions already. They've sent in yeah. forces. Uh, into Gaza, like 2,000 men. That sounds like mm-hmm. an invasion to me. I mean, uh, they say that they're going in there to take out key areas so that it'll be easier when the actual invasion takes place. But it sounds to me like they're already doing it, Bill, you know? Uh, so, I mean, that's all I got for today, basically. It's, it, it is a busy, busy day. Uh, a and lot of, I think tomorrow's going to be a busy day, too, when we get into the weekend show. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, this guy, Card, he's still on the run. You got to, you know, everybody should be kind of on the lookout, especially if you're in uh, New England, in the Northeast. Just keep your eyes open, your wits about you. Uh, don't take anything for granted anymore. You never know where this guy's going to be. They said, you know, no. they, they said they found his car next to a boat slip. I guess he had a 15-foot boat, too, and the boat's gone. So you could take a boat from where he had the boat slip, I guess, and you probably could go up the coast towards Nova Scotia in Canada, uh, although I'm sure the Coast Guard is patrolling that whole region looking for the guy in his, in his, his skiff. But he's, uh, I believe he's an outdoorsman, so he knows yeah, how to handle again- himself. You know, he's either he's either out there on the run uh, or uh, he's somewhere, you know, tucked away having a cup of coffee right now, uh, being reprogrammed for his next adventure. Wow. Um, uh, I'm, you know, that's the cynic in me. But, well, you, know, you know, Bill, what can you trust nowadays? You know, we have trusted so much. We've taken so much on face value for decades for years, we were told that Lee Harvey Oswald, one guy from six floors up with a $14 mail-in rifle, you know, uh, changed the course of American history. Uh, he was a hell of a shot, and he fired off like three or four rounds, and he, they were all deadly, except for one, they were all deadly accurate. Come to mm-hmm. find out, that really may not have been the case. Even, I believe, Robert Kennedy Jr. now says he believes that the CIA— were involved yeah. in the death of his uncle and his father. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, let's just be honest about this. If he got into the White House as president or vice president, mm-hmm. do you not think for one single minute he would want to get the answers, the real answers, even if our government was dirty to those questions? I Who think took he, out his uncle? I think he would, you know, uh, pedal to the metal. He'd, he'd and, go yeah. right after him, and so if you were keeping the truth, that that was your that was your secret to keep the real truth, because it would incriminate you. Would you let that guy get to those questions? No, <laughs> no, no, I would not. Uh, you know, I you, rest they, my case. You know, you say to yourself, well, you know, it's been like since 1963 to now. That's that's 60 years, right? Mm-hmm. 63 to 2023, 20, 60 years. Uh, you would think Those that, people are dead. Yeah, most of the people who were involved with that are gone. But oh, go ahead. If, if there was a criminal organization that was deeply rooted in our government, they may be dead, but their predecessors. You mean their successors? Or they're, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. they're, yeah, not predecessors. Yes. Well, they're dead too. Yeah, but the, yeah, but either way, the, the people that have carried on yes. in that said organization are they're either just retired or they're still alive. And you and, also they the the organization itself may still exist, may still have a functioning uh, system in our government, may still be manipulating. Things. Well, how do you know that some of the people in the government are not the shadow government themselves? Oh, this is something for tomorrow's show. <laughs> we got to leave them wanting more. <laughs> hey, my friend, that's about it for today's show. 
Uh, boy, that makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, our phone number is 833-538-7868. 833-538-7868. Oh, do tell. Let us know. Mail at itsanotherday.com. Mail at jimandbill.com. And jimandbill at mail.com. Oh, I like how you do that. And now, hey, listen, it's been fun, but we've got to run. Uh, yeah, and I'm... without any further ado, Mr. Uh, Mr. Knight... Yes, I have. Uh, well, I pulled the drapes. I've locked the doors. I've opened up the uh, the, the the hatch to the bunker, and uh, I guess until tomorrow, hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here. The voice of freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event? You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com, it has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>